right, all right. I want to welcome all of our campuses to Happy Resurrection Weekend. Come on, can we just give it up for all those that are joining us? <clears throat> I want to say a warm welcome, my Pastor Steve. We are so honored to have all of you with us. And specifically for our guests, I want to say as well, we've actually been planning this weekend for you. And I know that maybe you think, wow, you know, is that really true? The fact is that we know that Christmas Eve and this weekend, matter of fact, we have 29 services at all of our campuses. We know that there's lots and lots of guests, family members, friends, people in from out of town. And we've actually been preparing this weekend specifically for you. It's interesting when I think about Easter. Easter is interesting because, you know, as a pastor, we know that there's so many people that come during Christmas Eve, during Easter. And when you do that, there's a certain expectation. It's like, it's like, how many ways can you say the Christmas story differently? What's kind of the birth of Christ? And for Easter, right? It's, it's the cross, it's the resurrection, and there's a guy in our church that's been here very, I mean, really from the beginning, who has every single message I've ever preached, which means if I preach one twice, Pastor, that was a great message you preached today. You did the same one in 2004. Come on, man, what's up with that? So it's like, I always have to do something a little bit different, but I want to say as well, I am just so honored to have you guests. We are thrilled. Can we just give it up for all of our guests? Come on, man. So excited to have y'all. Today, I want to talk to you just briefly about this weekend we call Easter or Resurrection Day. And I want to talk to you about the power of a hand. Pastor Steve, what does the hand have to do with Easter? Actually, a lot. You know, when you think about a hand, a hand is a very, very powerful tool. It, it, it actually can build things or it can break down things. Hands communicate. Hands connect. Hands affirm. Matter of fact, it's almost like universally accepted anywhere in the world that if you're walking down the street and somebody's walking by you, and, and, and you just want to say, if you do this and your face has any level of, you know, just brightness to it, you know, people will brighten up, they'll wave back, right? So that's a, that's a, a way a hand communicates a message. Now, I know there's other messages, we won't talk about them in church, and nobody from Church of the King does them. <laughs> Amen. But this is called a, a wave. Hands have powerful ways of demonstrating things. Matter of fact, I've been married for 26 years to Jennifer, and this summer will be 27, and, and I never forget, we went out a couple times, and, and it's August of 1994, and I'm a young pastor in training, and so man, it was like really important. I needed to be real specific, real strategic, and, and, and I'll never forget the first time I kind of just reached over and just held her hand, and she turned to me, and she brightened up, and she said, I've been waiting for this, Tarzan. No, she didn't say that. She didn't say that. I shouldn't have said that on Easter. I'm sorry. But, but the truth is, watch this, <laughs> that hand communicates a message, communicates warmth. I have a friend in church. He can build anything, like anything. You ever met somebody like that? Maybe you guys are like that. 
I mean, just, he can do anything, build anything, construct, like, no, anything. He, he showed me a house one time. He built a pastor, you're not going to believe this, you know. You know, I built those cabinets. I did this. And, you know, just, you know, just all. And he goes, pastor, I don't know if you could do that. I said, no, no, I mean, sure you. No, that's not my gift. So I can't. As a matter of fact, and my wife routinely reminds me of that. She goes, Steve, if you really don't do anything else. But, I mean, if you, if you lose your voice, we're going to be really poor. And because uh, you, like, only can talk, you know. So the fact is all of us have gifts and some of you guys, some of you ladies, you, you use your hands. You use your hands professionally. Hands build, hands break down. Hands affirm, hands lift up. Kids, hands lift up. Grandkids, hands communicate, hands communicate this way. Warmth and connection. It's interesting, whenever you are seeking to buy a car, many people will now, of course, you can go online and you can look at things and you look at comparative analysis, you know, what are all the SUVs in midsize? And so you look at this or, and it's interesting, whenever you kind of pick out, okay, I, I think I want this car, and you finally drive to a dealership and on the way, it's like, wow, like this car is like everywhere. Almost to the point you want to switch out and get something else because like, where's, you know, it's like not unique at all. In the same way, I'm going to share with you guys today that the Bible talks a lot, not just about the human hand that's a powerful instrument, but the Bible talks a lot about the hand of God. Acts chapter 11, listen to this, very powerful. Acts chapter 11, verse 21. It says, the Bible says, and the, come on, can we just say it? Every campus at the count of three, one, two, three, and the hand of the Lord. Isn't that powerful? And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. You know, the Bible says we're made in the image of God, the image, the likeness, the dominion of God. Part of that is that we're made in a sense where God can communicate with us. Another sense, there's some similarities about that, one of which is we have a hand, but the Bible talks a lot about God's hand. Psalms 19, I love this scripture. It's very powerful. Listen to what the Bible says here. Psalms 19:1. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his, come on, say it, hands. You ever thought about this word? Stop. Watch this. Watch this. The handiwork. Of God. The hand is the root word. God's hands create. God's hands shape. God's hands arrange things. God's hands close doors. God's hands open doors. You're praying about something. God, I pray you'd give me wisdom. God, I pray you'd give me direction. Lord, I pray that you'd help me. Lord, if this is you, open up. What is that? God's hand is closing. God's hand is opening a door. God wants to be involved in our lives. We don't serve a God that's like way far off. Matter of fact, he is involved. The imminence of God. God is there. He is speaking. He is, matter of fact, I, I've taught all four of my kids how to ride a bike. And, and when parents, you know, you get behind your kids and they're on the bike and you've got your, you've got your, come on, everybody say it, 
hands on your kids. You kind of running like this. You know, I had one kid say, Dad, let me go. So I, and, and so the whole time I'm running like this. Can I tell you something? What are we doing? We're guiding them. We are leading them. Can I tell you something? If you're a follower of Christ, God's hands are on you, guiding you and leading you and closing and opening. How many are grateful that God's involved in our lives? God's involved. He's not some far off distant God. Let me give you today three things about how God's hands are involved in our lives. Number one, why did God create us? By his hand. God created the entire universe. He created the planets and the human race, and he created us. You're gonna see it, it's all through the Bible. Genesis, all the way to the last book, Revelation. Isaiah 45, 12, the Bible says, I've made the earth and I've created man on it and I, my, say it, hands stretched out the heavens and all their hosts and I commanded. Hand of God, the handiwork of God. For those of you that are maybe new to Christianity or Maybe checking it out. By the way, every week at Church King, all of our campuses, we have people that are unsaved that are coming. We're honored to have you. People that are newly saved, people that are deeply saved, you know, people that have been walking with God for a long time. And so we're honored to have everybody at all levels every weekend at church, all campuses, and those that watch online as well. And what I always find interesting is, and I'll tell people this, if you, if you understand Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, you understand, it's the foundation for the Bible. It's God's creative acts, God's creation. God creates all the heavens and the earth. He creates the animals. He's got the animals. Matter of fact, my wife is an animal lover. I have one of my sons who loves animals, and I know they bring great comfort. I want to be very sensitive to all the animal lovers. I said one time years ago, you know, I said, you know, I don't know if cats and dogs go to heaven, maybe dogs, but cats definitely don't go to heaven. They go to hell. But and I, I got like 16 emails, okay? One of which was from my assistant. I don't appreciate your comments on the weekend. That I don't like that. I'm a cat lover. Okay, so I, I, I get it. So I, I don't particularly, you know, I mean, I appreciate animals, but I mean, I, mean you, I know there's like some real animal lovers. Do you know God had the animals? And I know they brought a certain level of enjoyment to him, but yet, watch this. But he said, I want to create mankind. Wow. Genesis chapter two, here it is. Remember, one, two, and three. It's got creation, it's got mankind coming in, and then it's got the fall, it's got everything there. And then it sets it up, the whole Bible. Genesis chapter two, verse 17, or verse seven. The Bible says, watch this. God reaches down, this is powerful, and he grabs the dust of the ground, and then he breathes into the nostrils. Watch this. He creates mankind. Watch this. And then he breathes, it's the Hebrew word, ruach, and it actually means the breath of God. He breathes into man his spirit, and man becomes a living being. Listen, why was God why did God create mankind with his hands? Let me give you one thing. I don't have all the answers, but I've got one. It's because God wanted to share his life and his love with us. I, I know some people have these deep philosophical questions. What's the point of mankind? What's the point of civilization? I don't have all the answers, but I know one. I know one. I know one. God wants to share his life and his love with you. 
He cares about you. He loves you. By the way, he not only loves you, he likes you. Now, I, I know that when you hear that God loves you, I, I know that immediately we categorize that in human love and we compare it, but it's really a fallacy because God's love is different. Now, here's human love. Let's be honest. Human love, at times, it's often, I'll love you if. Oh, yeah. That's not how God does it. God's love is, I love you in spite. How many are grateful that God doesn't throw you away the first time you make a mistake? No, man, God's, God's love is consistent. So God loves us. He wants to share his life. I have four children. My oldest daughter is 25 now, and we had an apartment, and we'd walk up the stairs, and i never forget the first time I walked up the stairs, and it was in Metairie. I, I lived in, and we went up, and there she was, and she was in the crib, and she was just, and I remember my thought, I cannot wait to share my life with her. I can't, can I tell you, on a human level, if that was my desire, how much more, God? i never forget, a couple came over to our house one day, and, and, and the wife was being very sweet. She goes, oh, she's so cute. She, Jennifer, she looks so much like you. And my wife goes, no, she doesn't. She looks like him. <laughs> the fact is, my daughter is precious, and I wanted to share, and still, my life with her. God wants to share his life with you. Pastor, number one, how do we answer this question? Why did God create us with his hand? Because he wants to share his love and life with you. Number two, the second thing is, is why, why did Jesus have to die? You know, this week, there's a lot of discussion, conversation, people posting a lot of things because it's Holy Week, right? And it's a big week around the world, globally. Wherever the church of Jesus Christ, people are talking about it. And, and, and there's a lot of questioning about that, like different religions and what they believe. So, so did Jesus, like, did he really have to die? I mean, after all, I mean, can't we just have, I mean, we, you know, Christians have a book. And, and it's good teaching and, and in that book, how to help people, how to serve people. Well, that is in the book. But yet there's also something else in there. And it's, it's this whole concept that, that really hangs people up at times. It's, it's, it's this thing about the blood. Pastor Steve, do we, does, do, I had a person tell me this one time. I said, man, listen, I've studied world religions. He said, but just Christianity, it's like real bloody. Does it have to be like that? Now, I want to go on record as saying this. I don't like human blood, like at all. It just kind of freaks me out. Matter of fact, I remember bringing my son, my wife and I brought our son to get shots years ago. He's 22, 23 years old. So he must have been nearly 23 years ago and, I, and, and getting his baby shots. And so we were in the doctor's office and they gave him shots. I don't know if this is where they still do it, but they did it in his leg. It's like, gave the shot and some blood came out. And of course, I, and then the doctor goes, you know, looks to my wife and says, you know, you may need to lay him down. So my wife goes to lay my son down. She says, the doctor, she goes, no, not your son, your husband. <laughs> I'm not joking. I promise you, I'm not joking. I think they actually gave me orange juice and cookies. Come on, can I? I mean, it's like, I don't like it at all. At all. So I get it. I don't like the blood. Definitely not even, I mean, the problem is, remember back to Genesis? Remember Adam and Eve? 
God breathed the whole thing. The problem is there's Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve chose to disobey in sin, they chose to disobey God. Sin entered the earth. Watch this. And here's what sin does. Oh, man. Sin hurts our relationship with God. But also sin hurts our relationship this way with one another. They started arguing and fighting and all that. Right after that, right after sin came. Actually, what is relational breakdowns and all that sin and selfishness. By the way, please don't miss next weekend Dr. Les and Leslie Parrott. They are going to be amazing helping us. It's not just for marriage. It's all relationships. So this whole series, we're going to deal with all the. Please don't miss it next week. But back to this. Here's what sin does. It, 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 it messes up this relationship. But sin also messes up your relationship with yourself. God, others, self. Now they felt shame. So the question is, how did God deal with the sin problem in mankind? Well, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's only one God, yet God the Father sent God the Son. To do what? To live a sinless, perfect life. Adam blew it. Jesus didn't blow it. Adam lived on the earth. Jesus lived on the earth. And Jesus, as he lived on the earth, watch this, as a perfect, spotless, sinless man. He never cheated. He never stole. He never, just whatever it is. All right, watch this. And yet he had to die on the cross. Why did he die on the cross? I, I was part of, I'm 53, and I'm part of the Jesus of Nazareth generation, meaning I saw that movie as a kid in the 70s and 80s. How many of y'all remember seeing old school Jesus of Nazareth movie 70s and 80s when it was that? Do y'all remember that? Okay, I remember as a kid, I mean, crying. I'm just like, why did they, like, why did he have to do that? And then 20 years ago, how many of y'all saw the passion of the Christ? Come on, raise your hand. I mean, that's like another level. And I remember when he would put his hands out and I remember seeing that, and it was, it was so vivid. And, just, and I thought to myself, wow. Now, the cross, first century, was a public torture symbol. That's, that's what it was. That's where criminals, they were crucified. Jesus died because somebody had to die for sin. Pastor Steve, how does God deal with sin, death, Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Broken relationship. Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. Somebody's got to die for sin. But guess what? Here's the good news. You and I didn't have to die for sin. Somebody died in our place. Pastor, why did, can't we just take it out? Can't we just be like, can't we just kind of just sanitize this thing and just kind of pull the cross, the blood? I mean, just make it good moral teachings. Is it good teachings? Absolutely. But you can't. If you take the cross out of Christianity, you take Jesus out of Christianity. There is no Christianity. We need the cross because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. How many are grateful for the power of the cross? The scripture says this in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 19. It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness, to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. There it is. How did God deal with sin through the, through the death of Christ on the cross? 
by a new and a living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. As a young man, I, uh, my parents made me go to church. I wasn't a Christian until I got into college. And I ran from God. But I'm so grateful that God is quicker than me. How many of y'all are grateful that God is quicker than you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, let, let me help everybody. He will outrun you. In other words, running towards you. You can't. Trust me. He'll catch you because he loves you. And he cares about you. Number one, why did God create us with his hands? Because he wants to share his life and his love with us. God's not mad at you. God is trying to pursue you, to walk with you, and to love you. Number two, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? There's no other way. Someone had to pay for your sin and my sin. Christ did that on the cross. The wages of sin is death. Last question, then we'll close. Why the empty tomb? Why the empty tomb? I, I've been to Israel three times. First time I went, 2007, I think, and I went with Dr. Jack Hayford, and uh, he brought a bunch of preachers, 70 pastors. Well, that was an interesting trip. Everybody was there trying to give their little unique commentary. Of course, he was the, uh, the authority in the trip, which was tremendous. Had a privilege to be there. And if you ever have a chance to go to Israel... You'll go to Jerusalem, and when you're in Jerusalem, I cannot think of any Bible tour at any level that would not go to this site. And it's the site that they believe is where Christ was raised from the dead. There's two places they believe, but one specifically, and it's called the Garden Tomb. Those of you that have been there, or if you read about it, the Garden Tomb is a beautiful place. And if you know the history of Israel, before Israel was a nation, it was under British rule. It was called the British Mandate. And so if you go to the Garden Tomb, it's unique that the Garden Tomb is one of the areas that is actually still owned by the British people. So you'll have a British tour guide. It's powerful. It's like they have the whole British accent, the whole thing, and, and they bring you. And I'll never forget the first time walking into that, the Garden Tomb, and you see an empty tomb. Pastor Steve, is that the exact one? If it's not that one, it's just like that one according to the Bible. And I'll never forget seeing that tomb and empty and a stone and walking in. And I, it, you have to go. It's, that, it's just that surreal. And I was reminded of a conversation I had when I was a senior in college. I was talking to a guy about Christianity and he was he was arguing with me or disputating, which is, he was going back and forth and I've studied world religions and what's the difference? There's no difference. All religions, if you boil them down, it's about being a good person and helping people. By the way, we should help people, but helping people doesn't make you a Christian. We help people because we are followers of Christ. What makes you a Christian is trusting what Christ did on the cross. But this is important. He goes, well, let me tell you something, Steve. There's been other religious leaders that have died for their followers. Because I was talking about the cross. I said, well, I wasn't real schooled in the Bible. I mean, I was a, you know, I was a young Christian. I, I was a, getting a liberal arts degree. And I, I wasn't in Bible school yet. I wasn't in seminary. And, and I said, well, all I can tell you is this. Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for me, and he died in my place so that I could be forgiven, so that I could have a new chance. He goes, yeah, but other people have died for their followers. And I thought of this. 
And I was reminded 20, 25 years later when I was in Israel, or 20 years at the time. And I said, yeah, other leaders and teachers may have died for their followers, but only one was raised from the dead. Only one, only one, only one. What separates Christianity from every other world religion, yes, the cross, but, but it's the resurrection. It's the resurrection. Good Friday, boom, that's Friday. Why Good Friday? Because on the cross, he not only paid the price of our sin, but by the way, he also experienced the pain of the cross. Don't ever say that you don't have a God that doesn't get you. He knows what rejection is like. He knows what abandonment is like. There was only John at the cross, only John and his mom. All the other disciples had fled. Why did he experience that? So that when you pray, he understands your pain. He understands what the loneliness is. He understands what abandonment is. Jesus not only bore your price, but he also bore your pain. But here's the cool thing, that when you're in pain, he, and he finds you in pain, he doesn't leave you in pain, but there's another day. There's a resurrection. He brings you out of that. He brings you out of that. For the Christian, let me tell you, he may find us in darkness, but there's a better day coming. There's a better day. I got to tell you something. This is only going to apply to people that live. We have campuses all over the place. We have campuses in Atlanta. We have campuses in different parts. We have people that watch all over the world. This is only going to apply to people. And I just thought of this. This is the only service I said this. The only service... It's only going to apply to people in New Orleans, in this region. I went to bed Friday night going into the fourth quarter with the Pelicans down by 10 points. <laughs> I woke up and my son said, you won't believe it, they won. How many people, listen, listen. Well, he brought sports into it. Get over it. But anyway. Listen to me, listen to me. How many people went to bed on Friday night? They thought it's over, Jesus is dead. But how many of you know, when they woke up on Sunday, can I tell you something, Jesus won. He won, he won, he won. Death, hell, and the grave was defeated. Ooh, that was a real good analogy I just thought of. You got extra at this service, I just wanna let you know that. Listen to me, what's my point? Can I tell you what Jesus specializes in? Here's what he specializes in. He specializes in bringing, watch this, life to dead places in our lives. Maybe you've got a dead dream, a dead relationship. I met a dad Friday night. Let's make you cry. I was shaking hands Friday night and he walked out. He said, Pastor, my, my daughter and I, she was a young girl. We've been estranged for, I, I think he said three years. He says, we came to church. They're both crying. I prayed for him. He says, God is a restorer. Listen to me. Whether it's a relationship, a dream, the first thing he makes alive is your soul when you trust Christ. But I'm going to tell you something. That's not the only thing he makes alive. Wherever resurrection power goes, can I tell you something? Life overcomes death. How many are grateful this is a better day in God? There's a brighter tomorrow in Christ? Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. Every campus. Every campus. I just sense the presence of the Lord here. We've got a beautiful morning for everybody. We've got a lot of things planned for, for you and your friends and family. But before we go any further, I, I just want to take this moment. Maybe you do not know Christ. Maybe you're not sure about your relationship with God. 
Maybe you're not sure if you die today, you're ready to stand before God. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm not talking about joining our church. That's a class later. This is, this is about surrendering to the God who loves you. Do you know Christ? You know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God. The Bible says all of us have sinned. Number one, you gotta believe that you've sinned and come short. I have. We've all blown it. B, you've gotta believe that Christ died on the cross in your place and in mine. And C, you must personally confess. Your husband can't confess Christ for you. Your wife can't. Your mom can't. You personally must receive Christ. Do you know Christ? Have you ever surrendered your heart to Jesus? In just a moment, the count of three, every one of our campuses, and those of you that are joining us online, wherever you're watching right now, this is your opportunity to trust Christ. Maybe you thought a friend invited you to church, but I believe the hand of God was behind that to bring you here to let you know that God loves you and he cares about you. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. If that's you, would you just put your hand up at the count of three? One, two, three. Quickly put it up so I can see it. God bless you, man. God bless you and you and you. Anybody else? God bless you right there. Pastor Steve, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you up top. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, man. God brought you here today. God loves you. God cares about you. Anybody else? God bless you right there. God bless you, buddy, right there. Church family, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ. Can we do that? Every one of our campuses, we're going to pray this together. This is the most powerful prayer that you'll ever pray. Let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everyone. Dear Jesus. I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, thank you, Jesus, for washing me with your blood, for giving me a new heart and a new reason to live. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus. Wow, what an amazing time we've had together for Easter here at Church of the King. We're so glad that you joined us. And our heart for you as a church is that you would walk away feeling encouraged and uplifted and full of joy because Jesus is alive. And the thing is, Jesus is alive because he came to give us life. You know, the Bible says that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. And my heart for you is that you really would walk away and experience the fullness of life that Jesus has for you every single day of your life. Maybe you're out there and you decided to give your life to Jesus today for the very first time or to recommit your life to Christ. If that's you, I just want to personally say congratulations. I really believe that that's the best decision that you could ever make. And, you know, we're not meant to do life alone. Our heart for you as a church is that you wouldn't do this thing on your own, but that you really would allow us the privilege of walking with you and really resourcing you and equipping you as you're beginning this new life of following Jesus. So would you do me a favor and text the word decision to the numbers 822-822. And really what that allows me to do is to follow up with you, to hear your story and to see how we can best equip you and put some things into your hands to help you as you're beginning this brand new life of following Jesus. It's gonna be amazing. 
And if you're out there and you're not part of a church family, maybe you're here for the first time at Church of the King online, or maybe you've been coming for a while, but you're not really planted in a church family. We have multiple physical locations, and we also have our church online family where you're joining us right now. And we would love to invite you back to our weekend services. They happen every single week right here where you're watching on whatever platform you're on. And we'd love to see you back and a part of our church family. You know, there's something special about really being planted in a church family, being surrounded by brothers and sisters that can encourage you as we're growing together in our relationship with God. In fact, we're starting a brand new series next weekend. It's called Better. It's about our relationship. You know, we all could use some help, some encouragement about how to do relationships better. And this series is really gonna equip us on how to practically be better at our relationships. And we have some special guests kicking off the first week next weekend. It's Les and Leslie Parrott. They're like the marriage experts of America and the world. And it's really a privilege to have them with us next weekend. So we'd love to see you back at church next weekend. Just go to churchoftheking.com for service times and locations. We'd love to see you there. But with that being said, we loved having you here at Easter at Church of the King. Man, it was a privilege having you with us, and we'd love to see you back next week. Have a great week. We love you. We're here for you, and we'll see you soon.